Well, happy Sabbath, everyone. I'm excited to see you this morning. And I'm excited every Sabbath morning, actually, when I get in front of you because I get to share Jesus with you. And nothing makes me more excited than that. Uh, we've been in this series that we titled Vision. I'll look at who we are. And uh, if you can uh, read it with me, let's uh, read our vision today. Our vision is to worship Jesus, build relationships, grow spiritually, serve others, and guide people to Him. So today we'll talk about growing spiritually. Do you remember those things that you used to do when you were little? Was it that long? <laughs> now, some of, some of us still do some of those things. Some of us, we don't do those anymore. See, I want to I tell you a story of when I was a young kid, uh, before I had a mustache and that. And, uh, and I used to go to, with my mom after school. We would go to the market. And the market in Mexico City uh, looks something like this. And it has a specific name. It's called a tianguis. Can you say tianguis? Yes. Tianguis is a Greek word for whatever you need to buy, they'll have it. And uh, so we used to go to the market, and every time, every time uh, uh, we, she picked me up from school, when I was a little kid, we went to the market. And one time, she was buying stuff at this stand, and I was totally focused on the fruit and the vegetables they had on that stand. I was thinking about the, the, the way that the Lord made them, and, and the colors, and... Uh, I wasn't really thinking about that, but but I, but, but I was distracted, and all of a sudden, after uh, my mom was doing the shopping, I got close to someone who I thought it was my mom, and I grabbed her arm. But this person that I grabbed the arm from, I was not my mom at all. Now my mom is on the other side of the of the of the hallway there. And she's looking at me laughing because she realized that I was grabbing somebody else's arm. But I grew up. And since then, I haven't lost my mom. You see, God wants us to grow up. He wants us to grow up and to become more like Jesus. In fact, we have a theological world word for this. That's called discipleship. So today, seems like my ear shrunk a little bit. <laughs> today we'll talk about, that sounds more like me, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Today um, we'll talk about those things that can help us to grow and become more like Jesus. And uh, so I'm going to ask you to open your, your notes, get your notes out, or let's go to the Bible, and we're going to go back to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8. Mark, chapter 8. Now, because we're trying to become more like Jesus, we need to understand the definition of growth. And growth 
comes from a need. And the need is the desire of not wanting to stay the same. You see, it is a terrible thing when, when somebody can grow up. It's a terrible thing when, some, when a child can't grow. It's a terrible thing. So it is in our heart, it is in each one of ourselves, the desire, the goal to grow, especially to grow up. Now, Mark chapter 8, we, we find a story. This is a story within two stories. Because see, Jesus is, is, is walking around and, and, is, and is doing ministry with people. Last week, we, we left him feeding the, the, the 4,000 on one side of the, of, the, of the lake. Now he comes back to the Jewish side. He's not with the Gentiles anymore. He comes back. And when he comes back, uh, he, he encounters the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were as Jew as they came. But Jesus warns the disciples not to be blinded by their yeast. And then he goes and finds himself in verse 22. And then he says, And they came to Bethsaida, or Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. Now Jesus is with people, and there's other people who are guiding this blind man to come to Jesus. And see, blindness in those days was not a very common thing, but it was common enough for people to know somebody who was blind. Everybody knew somebody who was blind. And, uh, and, and, and this is a reason why. You see, uh, in, in those days, first, they suffered because they didn't have the same hygiene that we experience today. See, the cleansiness that we can practice today was not available to them. It was rare that somebody would take a bath. It was baths were only for healthy people, for wealthy people. So see, there were people who had some kind of uh, uh, and in their eyes and, and, and some uh, crust matter would gather around their eyes and flies would try to get in there and deposit things. Now you want to go take a shower. <laughs> and what happened was that in their eyes, they contracted infections. And those infections led to blindness. If you add to that the bright Palestinian sun, a lot of people suffer of blindness. Now, spiritual growth is the desire of letting Jesus change our perspective. Verse 23. And he took the blind man by the hand. Now Jesus grabbed the man. First people brought him to Jesus. Now Jesus holds the man by the hand. And led him out of the village. And when he had a spin on his eyes. And led him. If you thought that it was kind of bad what I told you before. Now Jesus spits in his eyes. And laid his hands on him and asked him. Do you see anything? Now apparently when this man was brought to Jesus. Jesus had a personal interest on this man. Because see, Jesus, like he did in many other occasions, he could have prayed over the man, he could have healed him right there. But see, what Jesus does is that instead of doing a public miracle, he takes the man and takes him aside. He takes him to be alone with him. And as they are alone, 
We could think that Jesus tried to protect this man uh, and also put him in a place of, to have a better experience. If you were blind in those days, you see, you had to be sentenced to beg for a living. So it could have been logical for this man to just be healed and automatically stop begging. Or maybe go back to do whatever he was doing before he was blind. But what Jesus wants this man to do and to experience is to have a personal experience with him as he was losing his blindness. Jesus used a method that today we can't understand, really. But we could see why Jesus used it. Because it says right there in the Bible that Jesus spat on this man. Now, what do you do when you get burned or when you jam your fingers? What do you do? Besides Harry the Christ, what, what do you do? <laughs> Automatically you go, right? You put your fingers in your mouth. So this is, comes, comes from a natural thing that saliva has some kind of miraculous ability to heal us when we're in pain. Now, in those days, people truly believed that if they applied saliva to, to pain and, and hurts and injuries, that people would actually be healed. So what Jesus did to this man, spitting on his face, on his eyes, this man was, oh, okay, yeah, he's trying to heal me. So see, what Jesus is doing is that he is using elements of the culture of, this, of the day of the man because see, God always speaks to people in the way that people can understand. So see, that principle is the first law of didactics. When, when we try to teach somebody a new thing, we try to use elements of what they understand to learn something they don't yet. And what Jesus is doing is using the elements that this man understands to guide him to something that he hasn't yet experienced. And, and, and we call that growing. Now, what happens here is that Jesus is trying to bring this man to change his perspective. Yes, he is blind, but he's using elements that are known to him to bring him to something that he didn't know yet, and at the same time, gaining sight. Jesus wants to change his perspective, verse 24. And he looked up and said, I see people. Now, Jesus spits on this man's eyes, and this man opens his eyes. And he says, I see people. But they look like trees walking. Now, I don't know if this man knew what trees were before. He has seen trees before. Perhaps this man was able to see before he went blind. And he remembered how trees looked like. So what we can gather, what we can gather from this, this, the words of this man, is that somehow people were standing, walking, moving, but he couldn't make out. Their faces. He couldn't identify who they were. He couldn't see clearly. He couldn't see define who these people were or how they looked like. All he could see were figures who were standing straight walking around. 
Now, this is the only miracle that Jesus performs that actually happened gradually. In any other time, Jesus does a miracle right there. He performs miracles on the moment, on the touch, on the prayer. He performs miracles long distance. But this one, this one miracle in particular, is a progressive development. You see, there is a symbolic truth behind this. Because when we're talking about discovering who Jesus is, no one comes to Jesus in a complete knowledge right away. There is a process. This, was, this man was able to see, but not clearly. I guess that for all of us who at some time have come to Jesus, Staying in that first moment of recovering our sight, it is very dangerous to stay there. Because see, when we don't learn to see clearly, when we just see partially, there's a couple of things that happen in our life that affect us. First, when we don't see anymore, when we don't see clearly and we stay that way, we begin to question the power of Jesus. Is Jesus real? Because I don't see anything happening in my life. The second thing that, that happens to us is that we begin to judge others, reflecting our lack of growth. See, psychologists believe that people who are very judgmental is because they're trying to cover problems of their own. And then our lack of clarity prevents us from seeing Jesus actually working. To get better, he needs to improve his sight. He needs to change. Just like us, as we come to know Jesus, we need to continue to grow. Otherwise, we miss the whole perspective. See, none of us get to see Jesus clearly or fully the first time we come to him. See, Jesus wanted this man to understand his perspective needed to change. Uh, a while ago, I got an opportunity to go to Costa Rica on a mission trip, and uh, it was very interesting for some of us. Uh, we went with about 50 young people from our conference, and we took them to Costa Rica. And uh, I know we have people from Costa Rica here, I know Ernesto's from Costa Rica. Anybody else? No? Have you, anybody has been to Costa Rica? Okay, we have a few people. Okay. Did you go with us, Pat? No. Okay. Now, now this, is, this is something that happened. Uh, we have, the, the, all these young people, we had three bands. Uh, this was very interesting bands. They were Hyundai bands before Hyundai actually. I don't even think they make bands. But uh, here, for us. But over there they have bands, and they were stick shit. So you see, stick, driving a stick shift, it's a different story. If you don't know how to drive a stick shift car, um, it's very difficult because you have to use your feet to change gears. So I, I was able to drive stick shift and I was driving the van. And the first thing that happened is that the guy that was uh, sitting next to me was our guide. He was the one that was taking us places in, in, in the city in San Jose, Costa Rica. And we're driving the van and uh, I'm the first van because I have the guy next to me. 
So, so we're driving down, and then he tells me, Pastor, watch out, the dead man. He says, El Muerto, you know, Spanish, the dead man. And I'm like, what? So, Where? And then he says in English, the speed bump. I was like, oh. <laughs> Apparently, the speed bump is El Muerto, the dead man. You know? That's how they call him over there. So, you know, we got, we, we went around the whole day, you know, places, got, went to the, to the place where we were building the school, and then at night, I was uh, speaking at, at, at the church, and uh, finally we went back to the place where we were staying, and as we're there, as we're there, I discover a few things. Uh, Paola has an uncle who lives over there, and uh, the, my task was to call him and to make contact with him. So I called him up and he says, where are you? So I try to find out the address for the place. And uh, all there was, was this, the wall. No numbers, no street names, nothing. All we know is that we were in a town in San Jose. And he says, where are you? And I said, well, I don't really know. And he goes, no, 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 give me direcciones ticas. Give me directions at the Costa Rican way. I'm like, okay, well, the stadium is about 100 yards from here, and there's a river behind us. He says, oh, I know exactly where you are. I'll be there in 15 minutes. <laughs> I was like, what? So. In 50 minutes, he was there. <laughs> and then he told me, well, see, there's no numbers, there's no streets, you know, it's, people live 100 meters from the tree or the store or the stadium. So, so that's, a, and I told him, you know, I would hate to be a mailman here. <laughs> you know? Now, at night, before we're going to bed, a couple of the kids were talking about the neighborhood that we were living, or we were staying there. And they said, well, you know, I'm kind of concerned, Pastor. I'm like, why? But well, you know, I, as we were driving to this place, I noticed that in some of the windows says, uh, husbands for rent. <laughs> and uh, I don't know what kind of neighborhood this is. Uh, so now I got concerned because I was driving and trying to avoid the dead man on the street. And uh, now he tells me that there's husbands for rent. So I asked our guy the next day in the morning, hey, you know, uh, uh, some of the kids were telling me that uh, on the street there's these signs, husbands for rent. What's that about? He said, oh, that's what you call the handyman. <laughs> now let me explain something to you. Let me explain something to you. When we're always in the same place, speaking the same way, living with the same people, our perspective is limited. But when you experience a different culture, in a different place, different people, even though they might speak a language that you know, the perspective is different. 
the more people that you get in contact with that have a different perspective, your perspective widens. Jesus is telling this blind man, this is the moment when your perspective of seeing only trees needs to change. Now, this is the same thing that Jesus tells each one of us. That there is a progression in the way that we have to grow spiritually. Now, let's go back to verse 23. Then Jesus, I'm sorry, uh, growth is a dynamic process. That's what I wanted to tell you. If this thing ever works. Okay, dynamic process. Growth is a dynamic process. Verse 25. Then Jesus laid his hands on him again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Now let's go back in the process here. Because the verbs in Greek help us so much in this text. Notice what happens. It says he opened his eyes. Now, lepo is a Greek word to see. Lepo. Can you say lepo? Now, what happens here is that the word that is used for this man when he barely opened his eyes is the word dialepo, which means that he could see but only half. Diameter? Are you with me? He could only see but half. Now, what happens after is that he says that his sight was restored. Now, the restoration of his eyes, and you're going to say like this, it's the word Apokatitesmai. Apoka. That's the word in Greek for revelation. In Spanish, the, the Greek, I mean the Spanish word for, for, for revelation is apocalypsis. In the Greek, the word is apocalypsis, which means to reveal, to open a curtain and to be able to see outside. Now, first the man sees halfway. Now Jesus opens the curtain. You see the progression here? And now he says that the man saw everything clearly. Before he sees dialepo, now he says emlepo. He sees everything. So see, Jesus is showing this man that there is a progression. There is a process in growing spiritually. So family, oftentimes we give up because, because we don't grow. We don't, we don't seem to, to, to pass level one and we never get to go and collect 200. But you know what? In the spiritual development, in the spiritual growth, there is a process. There are challenges. You see, the disciples needed to learn this lesson too. Before, we find that Jesus, when he comes to the other side, encounters the Pharisees. And the Pharisees had their own culture, their own perspective. But Jesus warns the disciples, don't follow the leaven, the, the, the yeast of the Pharisees. Don't you have eyes? After the story of the blind man, in verse 31, Jesus speaks to the disciples and he tells them, guys, it is time for me to be arrested and to be sacrificed. Peter stands up and says, no, I'm not going to let that happen to you. Now you remember the famous words of Jesus, stand behind me, Satan. So he goes Peter from being the disciple to being Satan. 
Just because he didn't understand, he didn't see clearly what Jesus is trying to tell them, what Jesus was trying to tell them. You see, the funny thing is this, that before these events happened, Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter responded, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now Jesus is happy because Peter took a step one and passed it with flying colors. This was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. This was revealed to you by the Spirit, Peter. Kudos. But in the moment when he needs to go to step two, Peter is still blinded. He's dialepo. He wasn't ready for step two. See, just because the disciples had been with Jesus for three and a half years, that didn't mean that they saw everything clearly. You know, I, I, met a, I met a guy who went to school with me. Well, actually, he was at school, but he wasn't in school. He was living at the school. He thought that he was some kind of a prophet. Uh, he, he actually read the Bible well, and he had a very nice demeanor. You would actually think, well, this guy is a really good Christian. And one time we had a conversation because he said, he said in his words, I am a minister of the Lord. And uh, we had a conversation. And he told me, well, you know, the disciples didn't need to go to seminary to minister. And I said, you're right. They didn't go. Now, the disciples were with the teacher of teachers. Three and a half years. But they still didn't see everything too. I don't know how long you've been a Christian. I don't know if you are a Christian. I don't know if you are dialectal or ethnic. But one thing I know, that we don't see clear things, things clear yet. Because the promise says that when Jesus comes, we will see him as he is. So until then, we are in the dire need of a continuous growth. So the moment that we become com complacent with our situation, with our, with our knowledge, with our, with, our, with our perspective of God and humanity and the plan of salvation, we already lost the battle. We have to have this urgent desire of continuous growth and continuous development. You see, one of the dangers with evangelism is that we believe oftentimes that when somebody becomes baptized, when somebody accepts Jesus and gets baptized, that we say, okay, that's it. It's, we think it's a graduation. Has completed the 20 Bible studies. And no, I'm not making fun of the Bible studies. What I'm saying is that it's just step one. There has to be a continuous growth. We cannot think that that's it. You see, heaven, when we get to heaven, it's going to be a continuous learning process. Even in heaven. The first thing we're going to do when we get to heaven is that we're going to ask questions for, to Jesus. Of all the questions that we have, all the, all the unanswered dilemmas that, we, that we're experiencing today. And, and what happens is that we're going to be asking questions for a very long time. The Bible is a lot of growth. A lot of answers that need to be explained to us. Because see, getting to know God with infinite and knowledge 
For we are imperfect, finite creatures. It's a very difficult task. But you see, when I decide to take the step of growth, when I decide to follow God, growth gives me destination. Verse 26. And it says, and he, being Jesus, sent, sent him to his home, saying, do not even enter the village. Sent him to his home. Now, you see, what could have happened in the village is that this man, who was formerly blind, but now he was perfectly able to see clearly, going back to the village would have been like, hey, are you the blind man who begs in the corner over there? Yeah, that's me. I'm former blind man. <laughs> now I'm newly sighted, newly sighted man. Now see, that could have been a distraction. The distraction of going where Jesus asked him to go. It could have been a distraction of now saying, hey, look. Uh, and, and this man could have become a show for the village instead of being a symbol of what God can do in an individual. You see... Jesus had a vision of what the, has a vision of what the kingdom of God is. And us as citizens of the heavenly kingdom, we need to understand that the vision that we have today is not completely developed until we get to heaven. You can see what happens is that this man was healed, but he was partially healed. What this man needed was a second touch of Jesus. What this man needed was a second touch of Jesus to see clearly. That is called growth. So what I'm trying to guide you to today is that the only way that we can find the true destination that God has for us is when we receive the second touch. The first touch allows us to see that we are lost, that we're not in the right place. But the second touch gives us destination. You see, there was a, um, it's a story, this is a folk story. Uh, and perhaps you've, you've, you've heard it before, you've read it. Perhaps you've told it to your children. And that's a story of three trees that grew together. And these trees were up in a hill. Since they were little, there were seeds. And the seeds began to turn into trees. And these seeds began to grow, began to grow, began to grow. And, and these trees growing up together, they talk to each other, and, and they ask questions like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, and one of them said, well, you know, when I grow up, and I'm caught down, I want to become a chest. A chest so big and so beautiful that all the wealth of the earth is going to be placed inside of me. 
the other tree looked at him and said, oh, see, when I grow up and I'm cut down, I want to be a huge boat. A ship so mighty, so big, so powerful, that kings would sail on me across the world. The other tree looked at the other two, said, you know, when I grow up, I'm going to be so big, so majestic, that no one is going to dare cut me down. In fact, people are going to look up and say, whoa, this tree reflects the majesty of God. Years passed. Seasons went. And rings grew around the trunks of the trees. Until one day, the noise of two hitting each other was heard across the hill. The lumberjacks were approaching. To get excited and say, this is the day, this is the day when I'll become a treasure chest. So the lumberjacks approached him, observed him, touched him, took the saw, and cut him down. When they cut him down, they took him down the hill, all the way to the carpenter shop. But instead of becoming a treasure chest, he became a box for hay to feed the cows. The second tree, the tree that wanted to become a boat, when the lumberjacks approached, they saw him, they measured him, they figured this is perfect, and they cut him down. When they cut him down, they put him on a, on a wagon, and they took him down the hill towards the sea. But instead of being taken, to the place where they made the big boats, they made a turn and took him to the place where they made the little boats for the fishermen. And he became a tiny little boat. The third tree, the one who didn't want it to be cut down, began to sweat now because the lumberjacks were approaching. And as they saw him, large, huge, majestic, Look at him and said, eh, this will do it. Cut him down. They didn't take him to the carpenter shop. They didn't take him to the place where the boats were built. They just cut him in beans and left him there on the ground. Years passed. And one day, that tree that was turning to a box or hay said, my love, I wish I could have given you something else, something better, but this is all I have at this moment. The hay was removed, new hay was put in, and a blanket with a baby was put in the box. That, tre that, that treasure chest never contain a treasure more valuable than that baby. Years passed. And the other tree, who wanted to become a large ship, had just started. They had him build a little 
boat for fishermen. On that dark night, the wind began to blow, the, the waves began to crash against his fragile sides, and so to the storm, quiet, peace. This boat wanted to carry kings and powerful men on that night discovered that he had carried the most powerful man the world had ever seen. Years passed. And that tree who did not want it, did not want to be cut down, was just turning to beans and left there on the ground. On that afternoon, heard the steps of Roman soldiers who were coming. And two of his beams were taken. And once again, he realized that he was up on the hill. But this time, not as a majestic tree. However, he noticed that there were people looking at him saying, this was truly the son of God. You see, family, perhaps in our developing as Christians, we have not seen the progress that we expected to have. Perhaps as we grew into the people that we are today, something happened that jaded us. Something happened that, that changed our destiny as we thought it was. But you know, God has never forgotten who he made you to be. God has never forgotten your purpose. God has never forgotten the plans that he had for you even before the foundation of the earth. And today he's telling you to open your eyes. Let me touch you again. Let me help you grow. Let me help you to see what I can do for you. All we have to do is to trust in him.